Hello and welcome to the Under Centre Podcast. I am your host, Daramar, and I'm joined by just Fionn Malloy this week. Fionn, how are you? It's all you need, Dara. I'm very good. I'm excellent. Uh, enjoyed watching the football. I love this end of the season. It's crunch time. The NFL, man, they always... I don't know what they do, but they always seem to get the games to go right down to the end. It can be a useless game, finish strong. Uh, and we saw a lot of good football this weekend, I felt like. Four, four games, four walk-off winning scores. Pretty you impressive. Know? I think Pretty I don't impressive. think I don't think the NFL could have asked for much more in, oh, in what has been dubbed a the best divisional weekend ever. But I'm gonna be a little controversial on this one, Fionn. Um Go for it. I, I'm going to say it wasn't the best divisional weekend ever. I'm gonna say it was the best divisional Sunday ever. Because the two Sunday games were absolutely fantastic. You had the Rams and the Bucks going after it. The Bucks trying to come back from a 27-3 deficit in the second half, getting their level and then losing in the last second field goal. And then, of course, you had that crazy game with the absolutely insane ending between the Bills and the Chiefs. End-to-end, two of the best quarterbacks in the AFC at the moment, going head-to-head, unbelievable stuff. I'm sorry, I cannot say the same for Saturday's games. You got the Titans, the Titans and the Bengals, and you got the 49ers and the Packers. You know, neither of those teams scored over 20 points. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, I don't want to take away from the 49ers and I don't want to take away from the Bengals for their achievements. Their wins were absolutely the fact that they won was thrilling and fantastic, but the games were trash. The 59 minutes of the pre of those previous two games were trash. If it wasn't the Packers who scored on their opening drive looked like a very professional opening opening drive, and then they just didn't do anything at the offense for the rest of the game. And then the 49ers didn't even have an offensive or defensive touchdown. It was a special teams play. And then of course the Titans and the Bengals, you know, that okay, that had a bit more action in. But also you're talking about a, a Bengals team that was a, a Bengals quarterback, I should say, Burrow that was sacked nine times in the game. We'll get into them more specifically in a few minutes. But I just wanted to open with that with that take, saying Saturday, meh. Sunday, definite double thumbs up for that. I, I, if all, if all the two games this weekend are like the two games we had on Sunday. I will not have a thing to complain about um, next week when we look back at them. But Fionn, what did you think of the past weekend's games? Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to argue with you. I think if you're a casual NFL fan, it's it's almost better to just show up in that last quarter, right? Even even the two games on Sunday, they were, they were good in the first half, but it was the second half and the last quarter where they really caught fire and you really see the drama happening. So, yeah, I think the NFL, like I said at the, at the top, the NFL has got their game down to a T now and they seem to every season there's always a lot of drama around those last those last five minutes, two minutes, yeah. 30 seconds if you're Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they are some serious football. And it, it's great to see in the latter two games the ball in the air. We like a good, tough running game, but when the ball is in the air, that's when the NFL is at their most spectacular and we saw that put to great effect in both of those Sunday games later on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was a showcase for offenses for sure. And we'll get into the Sunday games maybe a little later um, in the show. We'll look at the two Saturday games first. But before we do that, we have to mention, of course, that this show is brought to you by McGowan's of Fibsbury. 
we all know the great news that happened last week. The restrictions are finally gone and we are allowed out past eight o'clock in the evening. So that means only one thing. You get yourself down to McGowan's for the championship Sunday this coming Sunday. I was there this past Sunday for the Bucks and Rams game and it was on every single screen. The atmosphere was fantastic, not just for watching the football, obviously with the, I think everyone just had the nice sigh of relief to be out past eight o'clock, you know, just getting to, to socialize a little bit. So make sure you book a table on their website if you don't want to avoid, if you want to avoid disappointment or get down there early if you want to as well. They have a nice, uh, cool pub quiz. A smartphone quiz at half six on Sunday evenings, just before the football starts. It's all great. You know, it's a fantastic place with a fantastic atmosphere, with fantastic staff, with fantastic points and fantastic food. So get down to McGowan's for this championship Sunday. I swear you will not regret it. So many screens in the place. You won't even, there is impossible, it is impossible to have a bad seat in that place because you will definitely catch all the football this weekend and it's definitely not a a weekend to miss any of it at all but let's move on and let's look back at the games and we'll go in sort of chronological order from when they started obviously we are a couple of days detached from it we probably won't go too in depth in it we may have a look at some questions surrounding the games uh, and answer them there Fionn but Titans, uh, Tennessee Titans, number one seed. They had their bye week last week. They were beaten at home by the Cincinnati Bengals by 19 points to 13. A walk-off field goal from Evan, Evan McPherson gives the Bengals their first ever away playoff win in history. They were 0-7 beforehand. Now they're 1-7. And that means that they're going to the AFC Championship. The Bengals are in the AFC Championship. Fionn, explain this to me. It's super exciting. I love it. It's it's very rare in the NFL we get a team that turns around quite like this. If you remember, the Chiefs back in the day did do a, a similar feat of going absolutely terribly the season before and then rallying back and making the playoffs. They might have even made the Super Bowl that year. Uh, but yeah, it's so exciting. And he's playing absolutely lights out football. He had, I think, 14 interceptions Joe Burrow did over the course of the first maybe uh, 14 games of the season. In the last five games that he's played, he's only thrown one. So he's really lit up the pitch. His yardage is through the roof. His passer ratings through the roof. And right when the Bengals needed someone to show up and really turn this team around because they've been, with Andy Dalton, they've been right in the doldrums. They were performing on an average level, getting to those playoffs and just witnessing bitter defeat year in and year out. And finally, the tide has turned. They're doing it scrappily. They have a lot of talent. It's not the prettiest game of football to watch, as we'll probably go into. But yeah, I love it. And I like the way Joe Burrow plays. I like the way he conducts himself. Uh, It's good to to get those personalities in the game. And Jamar Chase is an absolute stud. And I think he's going to be a big player for years to come. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Burrow, like I mentioned at the start of the show, sacked nine times in the game. Almost ten, but technically one was chalked off for um, a penalty. So it wasn't, he didn't actually get to the ten, even though he was physically sort of sacked in that way. Like you said, it wasn't the prettiest game offensively, um, especially uh, when it comes to the team's third down play. Combined, both the Bengals and the Titans um, had eight, ter- eight out of 20 
was it eight out of twenty. Sorry, yes, eight out of twenty-three third down conversions, uh, yeah. which is about thirty-five percent. Not great. The Titans themselves only had one out of eight conversions on third down, and he had none in the second half at all. It just shows how much of a struggle it was for them on the offense for Ryan Tannehill. Of course, I think he threw three interceptions on the day, especially in the first throw of the game as well, throwing it to to Jesse Bates. Um, You know, all the build-up, and when we talked to John uh, Glennon last week, all the build-up was obviously about Derrick Henry and his comeback. Mm -hmm. He did get his touchdown. Other than that, you know, he had a, he had one or two series where he was a little effective, but other than that, the the Bengals did a great job stuffing the run and stopping Henry. Could be a little bit of rustiness. Could be that he's not fully fit. We obviously we don't know, but it wasn't the Derrick Henry that we had seen in the regular season. Um, but but Fionn, a question I want to ask you then about that: Was it too early to be to bring Henry back, and also bringing Henry back? you know, stopped the good play of Devonta Foreman, who had played well in his previous three or four games. He had over 100 yards rushing in those games. Uh-huh. So you're stifling the sort of good form of, you know, it is that question. Do you go for the informed player? Do you, you know, do you go with the with the star player coming off an injury? It's always that tough, uh, the tough choice to make. But it looks like probably the Titans have sort of made the wrong choice on Saturday. Yeah, I think they were doomed no matter what they did, because the way the Titans are set up with the play action attack off the run and having those two guys where you do, I think they made the right decision trying to get Henry back in the game because if you do win this game, they are invaluable snaps to get them tuned up for next, for the conference championship coming up next weekend. So I think, yeah, it was important. Dante Freeman or Foreman, sorry, had four carries for 66. So he was hot when he got the ball, but obviously only those four touches is going to limit him. For me, the big problem is, like I mentioned, the Titans are set up to take advantage of that run game and the play-action pass. But with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, he doesn't have, I believe, that really lights-out talent level. He plays very well when he can do the things that you need him to do. And Cincinnati made the game scrappy. And I think that's where your talent has to overcome the scrappiness. And unfortunately, with those three interceptions, he just couldn't be hot enough when he needed to be. Because we've seen he made some great throws. AJ Brown had nearly 150 yards in the game. So it's not like he couldn't move the ball around. But when the game kind of deteriorates and becomes scrappy and the run game isn't dominant and you're asking Tannehill to step up and take over the game, as much as I, I quite like Tannehill, I'm not I'm not particularly against him like some people are, but he just doesn't have that extra gear that can really overcome teams like the Bengals. So now going back to your question, no, I don't blame them for putting Henry in. I think it was the best game plan. I just think their their traditional game plan was always going to struggle against a team like the Bengals, who are going to make the game scrappy and are going to force you to play perfect football. Ryan Tannehill can. But unfortunately, this weekend he didn't. Yeah, and look, hindsight is twenty twenty. In the mm-hmm. end, you could say, like you were saying, Foreman had the f- four runs for sixty six yards. You're obviously saying hindsight. Oh, we should have gave him the ball more. But you know, you always when you have Derrick Henry there, you always think he's only one run or one move away from just from cracking a a fifty yard run of his own and taking it to the house. And you know, the Titans will look back at this game and have a lot of questions. Um. You know, I, I still think that 
it should be commended that the job that they have done as a team getting to the number one seed even with all the injuries that they've had like Henry and including AJ Brown Julio Jones just to name of course a few you know and I think we'll have to look at it as well and and and, and look at the move for Julio Jones now that the Titan season is wrapped up and I don't know what you think, Fionn. Do you think that maybe this has been down, put down as one of the, the worst moves in, in the offseason? Um, considering the, the contract that they're paying Julio and, and only one touchdown to to count up for it in, in the whole season. Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to analyse. I think while he was on the pitch, he would like a little bit more production out of him. Uh, but the injuries don't help. Uh, and losing not just his injuries, but the injuries around the team, that that does affect wide receivers. It does affect the depth chart when it has to be shuffled around. I believe that was the first time since week eight they had that full offensive weaponry on the pitch at the same time. And that causes problems. And it causes problems because you miss out on training, you miss out on reps, you miss out on timing. So, look, I still believe that Julio Jones has a good skill set to fit in that Titans offense, especially with AJ Brown and especially with Derrick Henry, it's just so many weapons. It's really difficult to cover and he might draw double coverage. And when he does, AJ Brown is going to go off and vice versa. So I think it's, there's a high upside. He needs to stay healthy though. That's not so easy given his age. It's, it's He's not the youngest wide receiver. So look, time will tell. I think this first season, was not what the Tennessee Titans had hoped for. But I don't think it's time to write it off as a bust just yet. But he will have to have a serious increase in production to, as you mentioned, make it worth it because they're paying him an awful lot of money. Yeah. Um, and like that, I know you're saying, I think it's first time since week eight they've all been on the field. Like Julio Jones is one of those people that they couldn't keep on the field as well. So, mm-hmm. And his injury record is well established. So that's that, that also... Uh, it has to be taken into account when I say that I think it's one of the worst off-season moves. You know, it's one of them that, like, if it works, it's great. But if it doesn't work, you have this sort of, you're looking back at it with, you know, not maybe with regret, but you're looking back at it and seeing the production that you've got now from this year and thinking, like, well, look, this is the two sides of the coin. This was the risk mm-hmm. that you're going to have to take getting Julio in. And look, you know, I'm sure if you were to ask Variable, um, he'd say 100 times out of 100, he'd always make that move again. You know, yeah, you always, yeah. you always do. Well, let's move on to the second game of Saturday night, and that, of course, was the San Francisco 49ers going into cold Lambeau Field and beating the Green Bay Packers uh, 13 points to 10. I was going to say 30 points to 10. I was like, there's no chance <laughs> to wish. score that many points. We wish. that many points. <laughs> no way. Again, the number one seed drops out as well in a shock defeat. Uh, of course, the Packers, the number one seed in the NFC. Again, this was a battle um, between uh, where the defenses got the better of um, the respected offenses. Again, looking at the third down numbers, San Francisco were 4 of 11. Green Bay were 5 of 12. Both quite poor. Um, they just could not move the ball. Like we mentioned at the start of the show, uh, the Packers had a lovely opening drive, which resulted in the touchdown um, to go 7-0 up. And it sort of stayed that way for... For the whole game, most of the the, the first half actually finished um, seven to nil, I believe. Yeah, they had a field goal missed at the end of the half. That's what it was. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's it's strange. You know, they they score in the first half. They don't score again till they don't score again till the fourth quarter with a field goal. They can't get up and down the field. 
The one thing I noticed watching back this game was you normally see quarterbacks going through their progressions, but Rodgers, look, we know about this. Rodgers' first choice is always going to be the Devontae Adams. Uh-huh. It's always going to be. And for, like, good reason, too, because Devontae Adams is probably the best wide receiver in this game. He'll be paid like one anyway this offseason. But, you know, it took until the fourth quarter for Rodgers to actually target a wide receiver whose name wasn't Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to you've got to be willing to. He was double. Co- he was he was like there was double coverage on him most of the game. You know, and that's what most teams do. But you know, it's just I don't know. He's got to go through. He wasn't reading through his progressions quick enough, which was leading to sacks. Um, or he was just willing to throw the ball away. You know, uh, you have Alan Lazarde who's shown to be a decent wide receiver. You have um. Was a Valdez Gantling who's shown to be a speed guy who can catch the ball. Okay, they have some drops, but you know this is this is not the time to be trying to play favorite in this game. You know, and it continues Aaron Rodgers' poor record in the playoffs as well. I think since the Super Bowl win, he's seven and nine. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have to look back at that stat just to make sure. But you know, I just what were your opinions, uh, Fionn, on this game anyway? I agree with you. It was very boring. Uh, and the Packers set off like a house on fire. That first drive, it looked like the San Francisco 49ers had no answer and they were going to march it up and down the field. I definitely think the weather conditions played into how poor this game was. It, it definitely did not help that both offenses were struggling and the ground conditions were getting worse and worse as the game went on. But yeah, I, I have to say, I agree with you. I don't think Aaron Rodgers played badly. He just played, to me, very uninspired. He took what the defense gave him, but I don't think the defense was particularly outstanding. In other words, I don't think he needed to take the what the defense was giving him. I don't think this was the number one Bills defense, for instance, where you know it's going to be pretty locked up and you're going to take, like you said, those checkdowns. Aaron Jones got a lot of football as well. He was actually their leading receiver in the game after that big breakout he had, I think, towards the end of the half of the first half. So, yeah, just just very uninspired. He didn't have that kind of mercurial character that he, that he usually has. I didn't feel like watching the game that he's going to break this at any moment. And the Packers coached it well, I feel like. He, he did take what the defense was giving him. He was very accurate in doing that. And he did hit the shots that the defense gave, those big deep balls. He hit those as well. It was the rest of the time. It was in the red zone. It was on those third downs, like you mentioned, Dara, where normally he finds that little spark in Lambeau to keep the game alive, to get the crowd involved and really squeeze and put pressure. Like, I don't I don't think he tried one fake count that he always tries to try and catch the defense off. It just didn't look like he was in the game. and. I think that is kind of the reason San Francisco won this game. If if Aaron Rodgers could have picked it up even a little bit, I feel like that game would have turned around. There was a time at the end of the third quarter, just into the fourth quarter, where they had to settle for a field goal, I think, from the 15-yard line, which is very un-Aaron Rodgers-like. So, yeah, that that's where I think the team let them down. I don't mind throwing to Devontae Adams. I don't mind trying to Aaron, throwing to Aaron Jones. I just don't understand why the game plan was to just take what the defense give you. You have Aaron Rodgers. Force the issue. Rely on your players, like you've said, Dara, because there are other role players around there who can 
at least perform at a 50% ratio. And usually for Aaron Rodgers, that's enough. Yeah. It's interesting you're saying force the issue. He was definitely trying to force the ball into Devontae Adams a lot of times, despite mm-hmm. the double coverage, which, you know, there, there there was probably better options to throw instead to sort of keep the chains moving and to sort of keep drives uh, alive. But I want to ask then about Rodgers as a whole. We, we heard him after the game saying he's going to take some time and, you know he mm-hmm. will he will make a decision before free agency hits, um obviously in a couple of weeks time maybe a couple of months time um around April, um we saw last or the start of the season that Rogers and Adams both uploaded the same last dance image to their Instagram, mm-hmm. um saying that indicating that this would be the last chance for them to to win the Super Bowl together, um. Was that the last time we've seen both of them play on Lambo with uh, Packers jerseys? That I will not say, but I do definitely think it's the last time they both play with a Packers jersey on. Uh, I won't say they're both going to leave, but I think that was kind of the gist. There's not everyone knows there's not enough money in the coffers to pay Rodgers and him and Adams, so I think uh, it's going to be the last time they're thrown to each other. But yeah. Let's just leave it at that. I don't. I don't know. I mean, the big, the big whispers going around is, well, at least in my Twitter, is that Aaron Rodgers is coming to Washington. So I'd be very happy to see that. I've no problem giving him that for a couple of years. And sure, we might even go and get Devontae Adam as well while we're at it. We're going to have loads of money in the free agency this season. Could you imagine Devontae Adams and Terry McLaurin on the same team? It's going to be. It would be a good oh. offense. I I do feel sorry for the Packers. Uh, I know they want to keep Rodgers. I don't think the personal issues are going to be a problem anymore. I think I think it's pure finances. I saw someone put up, if they cut four of their top contracts this season, they would only save $4 million in cap space. So they really don't have any options, I feel like, to save enough money to keep them both. Well, they, they are on track to be over $40 million over the cap. Yes, start. brilliant, and that's even with the extended with the you know the the bigger cap space that they're going to have. I think is mm-hmm. another uh, twenty million dollars has been added to it, and they're still going to be forty million over it as things stand at the moment. And I think that that was the, that's what uh, I think Rogers wanted when he restructured his contract in the offseason that he was going to be a forty five million dollar cap hit if he stays. But either he stay, either he was going to be let go or they were going to give him a new contract it was going to be one or the other so it looks like that maybe possibly i i think it's his last game i think mm-hmm. he's going to to move on where he moves on to i don't know i think it's going to determine um uh, we won't know for sure i should say probably until all of the head coach vacancies are filled mm. and by that i mean especially denver I think whoever comes in in Denver will be interesting to see what happens. But speaking of head coaches, I actually want to ask about um, Matt LaFleur because this is the third time in a row where the Packers have had a 13-win season, gone to the playoffs. Two of those occasions they had the first round by and they've not progressed to the Super Bowl. Uh Um. Do we think that LaFleur and his coaching staff have to be questioned a little bit on this? First of all, they had 10 men on the field for that walk-off field goal win, winning field goal, I should say, on on Saturday night, which, you know, okay, 
you know, block field goals aren't a regular thing, but it happened already in that game. Uh-huh. Didn't mean that if you had, doesn't necessarily mean it couldn't happen again, especially gives you a better chance when you have 11 men on the field when you should, instead of only going with 10. But also, I want to take you back to last year's NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay. Now, if you remember, they were down eight points with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was third and third and goal from the 10 yard line. Um, Rogers uh, doesn't see anyone open. He decides to um, run for it and slides. Or no, he doesn't. Sorry, it was an eight yard line. He could have ran for it. He throws a uh, incomplete pass and instead of going for it down eight points with two minutes left in the NFC Championship against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady they elect to take the field goal and then hope to win a, on an onside kick where the rules of onside kick nowadays puts the odds so much in the favour of the receiving team that it's almost impossible to win onside mm-hmm. kicks nowadays the decision making seems to be very questionable and you know obviously Things are going to get a little more, a lot more difficult, I should say, for for the Packers if indeed Adams and Rogers go. Do you think that Lafleur? Now I'm not going to say he's on the hot seat, but I think maybe people should be looking at him a little bit, a little closer now. Maybe a tag Butler could come into things. Uh, I think you could. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to say that this team looks pretty hot and pretty composed in the regular season, and has, as we've documented and you documented, struggled in the playoffs, and that's a big problem. Is it a hundred percent down to him? No, I'm not so sure because the Packers have a roster and have had a roster where those games should not have been in contention, where those those issues should have cost a game. I think some of those winning teams have some issues that, that kind of gets glossed over because a W kind of gets rid of most big mistakes. But I think the kicking and the special teams definitely has to be looked at. It's been poor all season. If memory serves me right, it wasn't particularly brilliant the season before either and let's be honest that cost them the game against the 49ers the 49ers did not look like they could score a touchdown on any other phase of play and to give it up on a block punt 10-15 yards from your own line I think is really really disappointing and it's the difference maker in those games where you are relying on being perfect and the other team is being held on in check. You can't give away cheap touchdowns on special teams. That's what, for flipping the field, that's for making life as difficult as possible for the other team, not to hand them easy seven points. So, yeah, I think Matt LaFleur could be questioned. I think it's fair to question him. I don't know if I would put him on a hot seat. I think he's a pretty good coach. I think he can coach himself out of these problems. And I think there's a lot more going on besides his issues that need to be fixed in the Packers organization before you get down to changing anything with him and yeah. and expecting a big turnaround in this team. Well, for me uh, on that, I, I, would, I would put a decent proportion of the blame for special teams on him, mm. mostly because he is the head coach. He has, like you were saying, special teams have struggled all season. Mm-hmm. He has seen that the special teams have struggled all season. So uh, why hasn't he made a change? Why why has he persisted with the special teams um, 
special teams game for this whole season. And just give me one second. Um, I just want to see um, who is a special teams coordinator for the Packers. Um, here, just one second. Well, one thing I was surprised by as well is that um, the center, the long snapper, he got absolutely destroyed by Willis on that kick. Yeah. And he does not look like a particularly big fella. I know long snappers are not the same as centers typically in the NFL, but I mean, with the rules and that delayed, you can't line up over the long snapper, but you can certainly put pressure through that gap. And he just yeah. walked them straight back, and that's that's a big issue. And yeah, yeah, and you're totally right with that too. Um, so I'm just going to see here, going through. It's very hard to find. They're they're making it hard to find. Maybe they don't want me to find out who this is, who this person is. Let me see here. Strength and conditioning coach. No. Okay, it won't tell me. I will find it though. I will find. It. <laughs> but I look. He is in charge. That is his staff. He's the overseer of that. He should be the guy who's who's looking at this and saying, look, listen, we made the change because this could cost us. And it did cost us in the playoffs. And we're going to take a quick sidebar here from looking back at the, the weekend's action because we've seen some breaking news this evening that uh, Sean Payton, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, has decided to step away from the team after 16 years in charge. He's informed the team that he will not be uh, taking the team uh, any further. Um, and I think there's going to be a press conference scheduled for 4 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. So that'd be around 9 p.m. tomorrow, um, Irish time. Um, Fionn, uh, I know it's just the news has just broken this afternoon, but your sort mm-hmm. of instant reaction to hearing that Sean Payton won't be continuing with the Saints. That's going to be a big problem for the Saints. I think he has made them look better than they have been roster-wise for a long time. I think he's definitely a value-added coach as as opposed to a player coach. He, he has a lot of good plays in that playbook. He knows how to get them in the right positions on the pitch. And he's been there for so long as well. He's got everything that he needs there. So I think it's going to be a pretty significant shake-up for this Saints organization. Uh, I assume... This is not as out of the blue for them as it is for us. And they do have their eye. But then at the same time, the free agency of coaches has been open for a while now. So it is possible that some of those key men on the free agency market for the coaching head coaching jobs might have might have already committed, at least verbally, to some teams already. So that might give them a little headache. This could be very interesting to see how this shakes out for the New Orleans Saints and could have an impact that ripples for several seasons yeah well the saints are definitely in a an interesting position they you know of course they lost drew Brees last season they had this year with uh starting with james winston before his injury then moving on to Taysom hill then for trevor simeon for a while in book for one game you know they have gone through multiple quarterbacks and i don't think they i don't think it was going to be settled on who was who was it going to be and you know losing your main quarterback one year then losing your your you know Hall of Fame worthy head coach the next, you know that is a lot. Uh, that is a lot of experience walking out that door. So it's going to be tough for the Saints. It's going to be a tough acquisition. This or tough, um, uh, not acquisition. It's going to be. A, it could be a tough period that they have to make this hire right. Um, I I see that the defensive coordinator Dennis Allen is going to be interviewed for the head coaching job. Interestingly enough, he had been interviewed for other head coaching jobs. So that if they are interested in making him the head coach. They'll have to act fast with that. Um, 
But yeah, like you're saying, Fionn, there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, you know potential head coaches that have had interviews and second interviews, I should say as well, with those teams that are looking for coaches at the moment. So mm-hmm. um, if the Saints want one of those guys, they're gonna have to act quick. But look, listen. A fantastic career with the Saints Sean Payton should have. Like I said, he has one Super Bowl um under his belt. Um and I we believe it's not going to be his uh his retirement. He will look at maybe coaching another team at another time. If it is another NFL team, maybe he goes to college, maybe he even goes a little lower. Who who um who knows? We'll have to wait and see. The next time we get to see Sean Payton, of course, is when he looks like Kevin James in that Netflix movie that's coming out soon. So, you know, if you if you don't if you can't get enough of Sean Payton and you want to see him in movie style, well, hey, at least you got that movie coming out soon. I don't think I'll be paying my money to see that somehow. They're gonna wait for that to come out for free on something I already pay for. But uh, that's straight to Netflix, man. That is not going yeah. to any cinema. Yeah. Are you mad? <laughs> it's okay. Netflix already have my money, so I guess I don't pay. I'm paying any extra for it. Um, but let's move on anyway, and let's go to Sunday's games. And we'll start with the eight o'clock game on Sunday. And that was, of course, the Tampa Bay buccaneers against the los angeles rams the rams beating the bucks by 30 points to 27 it was 27 3 to the rams at one point there in the third quarter and thoughts go back to tom brady down 27 points to three oh this is super bowl 51 all over again it was almost that they did get they did get level but it didn't go to overtime like it did in Super Bowl 51 because a late Matt Gay field goal after a, a, a long connection between Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup got the Rams the win. Um, squeaky bum time was up for the Rams. They did make it through to the NFC Championship. They're going to have a home NFC Championship game against their NFC West rivals, the San Francisco 49ers. This Seahawks fan is not jealous at all the two nfc west sides are in the nfc championship and one is guaranteed to be going to the super bowl <sighs> Fionn, anyway <laughs> what did you make of the game i mean did anyone turn this game off at halftime i don't think so tom brady has done this so many times before i was texting everyone i knew that was watching the game who isn't a massive football fan i was just like just wait just wait my brother texts back, he's like, Tom Brady better wanna might want to hurry up. I think this was like just at the start of the fourth quarter. Uh, and he did. He promptly added another seven points and got another seven points right at the death where it looked like it was going to be enough to send it to overtime. Uh, and the the giant or the, the Rams held on in the end. But our man on the ground was right. Matt Stafford seems to save his best games for playing against the Buccaneers. 366 yards. Two touchdowns, 28 of 38. That's pretty good. And what about Tom Brady at 40? How many How many years over 40 is he at this point? 44. 44. And he threw the ball 54 times in the game. That's outrageous. That is outrageous. It is mental. Sorry, if you want just to go across that. He threw the ball 54 times and we're just thinking, that's mental. Let's bring it for a 44-year-old. Big Ben was doing that every week for a 39-year-old. And we were like, stop throwing the ball. Yeah, yeah. well, I think the difference being Big Ben was was throwing the ball, but he was kind of just throwing it in the air. I don't. He wasn't as, uh, as efficient with it as Mr. Tom Brady was. Yeah. Who, look, 
he just knows how to play the game of football. He knows what he needs to do. In fairness to him, he looked a little off the pace in that first half. Mm-hmm. And he just he got the, bot, the game back. I think his his supporting cast outside of Mike Evans, who also had a good game, but those guys that need to step up uh, when when you're getting double coverage on a main guy finally managed to do it in the second half as they seem to do on every team that Tom Brady plays for. So, yeah, yeah, he came up just short, but what a game to watch. I enjoyed watching Matt Stafford. I enjoyed watching the Rams. They did everything in their power nearly to lose this game. Fumbles from people that were not expecting to fumble whatsoever. Cooper Cup and Cam Akers both had fumbles. But yeah. Look, they survived in the end, and, and it was a dramatic end, as we mentioned at the top, and it was really good football to watch when the ball is in the air 50 odd times a game completions 50 odd completions in the game that's a good game of football to watch yeah and of course the the, the amount of, uh, of passing attempts was also down to the fact that he could not get a decent running game going at all in that mm-hmm. game the 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 front four sometimes the front five of the rams were destroying the offensive line for the Buccaneers, um, Tristan Orfs, of course, did not play that game, and he and you could definitely feel that he was missed in in that. Brady had nowhere near the type of protection he was having a little during the year, um, and it's hard. To, it's always it's always hard to think that when a right tackle goes out, how how much the line can fall apart. But you know that line just could not stop any one of those Rams uh, defenders, um, and he was uh, having to let the ball go very quickly. Interesting that you were saying that the Rams tried everything they do to lose the game. I, I looked, I went back and looked at the last few weeks of the Rams because I thought I had seen a trend developing, and I was correct. Um, the Rams are only playing offense in the first half of games at the moment. Ah. Um, of course, 20, uh, 27 points they scored in the first half in, in this game on Sunday. But... Uh, since week 14 of the regular season so that is uh one two three four five six seven seven games uh seven games in those seven games they have scored more than 10 points just once they have failed to score more than 10 points in six of their last seven games for example three against the books this past week uh, the previous week, the wildcard weekend, they only scored six against the Cardinals in the uh, second half, uh, week 18 against San Francisco, another game that they were up a lot in too. They only scored seven points in the second half, 13 they scored against the Ravens in that. And as you can see with the others, less than less than that in the mm-hmm. second half. So that is something to possibly be concerned about and definitely to look out for. Um, if you are a 49ers fan uh, heading into this weekend, if you can just stay with the Rams in the first half, in the second half, I don't know whether it's tiredness. I don't know whether it's teams just adjusting to what the to what the Rams are throwing at them, but they cannot seem to get offense going and um, to score points in the second half. So that's where it, it will give you an opportunity, 49ers fans and, and 49ers team as it well. Won't. It won't. And the, you the never big know. problem is, no, the 49ers could not play offense at all on Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo, I forgot to mention this, cover the cover the middle of the field and you're going to have seven interceptions against Jimmy Garoppolo. The amount of, I think he threw three wobbly outside, almost picked off footballs in that game. 
and he only threw the ball about 13 times. So really high ratio of passes nearly got intercepted. He did not look good. I don't think Trey Lance is the answer either. I don't think that gives you the best chance of winning a, a championship, a conference championship against the Rams. I think that defense is too dangerous. But no, I'm sorry. If the 49ers want to have a chance, they need to like have offense in all phases of play, not just the second half, because I really don't think this Rams defense, if they play like they did, if the 49ers play like they did against the Packers, I don't think this Rams defense needs to get out of second gear. Well, you could say that, but they did the same thing to them in week 18. They came back and beat them. Very true. Very true. These teams know each other. They mm-hmm. know each other. And like you were saying, yeah, they beat them twice this year. This, this is, um, this is this is gonna be so hard to call, um, this week. And I won't say who I'm gonna pick yet because you'll find. No, out well, later neither will I. Because Jake, Jake will watch this and he will <laughs> take advantage. But I do hold the lead, and that's the most important thing. Before we move on to the final game, if you want to, want to ask, um, yeah. what do we think Tom Brady's gonna do now? Um, he was on his, uh, um, let's let's go. Uh, podcast. Uh, I can't say I listen to it. I don't know. I just seen expert ex- excerpts from it from um, Adam Schefter tweeting now that um, he's going to t- he's going to think about it and see if he wants to continue on next year. He says family is going to be a huge thing. He says that he hasn't been around as, as much and he wants to make sure that he's he's around more for his kids that they're getting to an age that he wants to he wants to be around more. So he's leaving some bit of doubt there as to whether or not he's going to come back next year. Yeah, you know what? I'm sick of listening to this. We've been listening to this for five seasons now at this point. I don't care. I don't care. Tom Brady's going to do what he does. The reality is he's still extremely good at what he does. There has been no drop-off in his talent. So I don't think there's any issue of if it, whether it's to come back with the Buccaneers or sign with another team. I think he proved that the experiment of going to play with the Buccaneers and into a different team and can he succeed has been proved correct. So if you have a, a decent roster, adding Tom Brady is still a net gain in terms of your talent level. But do I want them to stay? I don't care. If he retires now, is that a big loss that he didn't make the Super Bowl? No, I don't think so. He's done so much that at this point, no matter what he chooses to do, I really, I can't get excited for it there. I'm sorry. I just, yeah. he is going to be there for as long as he is. And I am choosing for my own sanity that I'm now no longer going to give a crap about Tom Brady. I'm going to focus all my energies on the new youth of the NFL. And eventually he'll just be not there one day and I won't even notice. I thought you said you were going to focus on the uh, getting Aaron Rodgers to Washington sort of time. No, I'm going to be one of those guys. I'm going to actually have to be talked around to that because Aaron Rodgers is not, I think, as good as he is. As I think he's a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Uh, but I don't think he gives that same encouragement that if you just throw him into a different team that he automatically succeeds to a high level. And I'm also not convinced that Washington has the roster that even if you include him and he does play well, that that defense can hold up their end of the bargain, which is a complete turnaround to what we thought last season. But yeah, I'm 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 a, a cynic when it comes to the Washington football team. So I'll need a bit of convincing before we have to take Tom uh, Aaron Rodgers. You're too invested. That's what it is. You know too much about your team. That's what it is. Let's move on to the game of the weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs 
Uh, winning in overtime, 42 points to 36 against the Buffalo Bills. Everyone knows at this stage about the crazy ending to the fourth quarter. The yeah. Bills thought they had a one. 13 seconds left. They score a touchdown. They go three points up. They think they have a one. And then, no. They yeah. give them two big plays. First to Tyreek Hill, then to Travis Kelsey. They score the, the field goal. And then the game comes down to a flip of the coin. Four, or does it? Or does four, it? <laughs> four lead changes in the last two minutes of, the, know, of the match. I think, look, if we try and talk about this whole game, it will be here for another hour-long special. So let's just focus on that last quarter. Both yeah. quarterbacks played so well. They just had, they took all the risks they needed to. They took all the check downs they needed to. They created, they took it on themselves. They also didn't rely on themselves too much. They played that game about as perfectly as you can. And look, I'm not a quarterback. I'm not a professional. So if Tony Romo was telling me that on the coverage, I believe him. And uh, yeah, it was just a fantastic game to watch. If you if you did not, for whatever reason, because it was on late at night, if you have not watched that back, go and find some way of watching that game back or at least the last quarterback because... It is some of the best football I've ever seen, I have to say. Yeah, I think the NFL actually released the last two minutes and overtime on YouTube because they just had to. You had to. You just had to. But yeah, look, I say the game was decided on the flip of the coin. And obviously the overtime rules are getting a lot of scrutiny at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Listen, the rules were there. We knew the rules coming into this game. You knew what was going to happen. The Chiefs actually went through the exact same thing back in 2019 against the Patriots. They lost the coin toss. The Patriots went up the field, scored a touchdown, and the pay- and Patrick Mahomes never got the ball again to even try and, mm-hmm. you know, tie the game up. Interestingly enough, I looked at the time of possession for this game um, because, obviously, the, the Bills defense just couldn't stop the, the Chiefs in overtime. And the Chiefs had the ball for 36 and a half minutes of that game, and whereas the Bills had it for 27 and a half. A big 10-minute difference, an extra 10 minutes for your defense to be on the field. You know, I felt like the Chiefs controlled the ball so much better in that game. They mm-hmm. uh, they controlled the clock so much better in this game. They just they um just knew how to keep things going, how to keep their offense on the field, more importantly, to keep their defense off the field so they could stay somewhat fresh trying to face up against um, Josh Allen um, and that build offense. You know, like I said, these are the rules. I You can give out about them as much. And look, would I personally like to see, yes, you should get a chance to come back? I would. I would like to see it personally. I would like to see the chance. I would have liked to have seen Josh Allen come out onto the field. Well, hell, Josh Allen could have thrown an interception on his first throw when he came back on. And then nobody would have been complaining. It would have been one extra play. So, yeah. you know. It, but I think I, I think that's the problem, Dara. If he does yeah. throw an interception on that first play of the game, now, now, it's, now it's all go. It, do you know what I mean? Now, that's what people want to see. Now it's, it's the impetus is on both teams to get that ball back and score. I think it is a lot of pressure. I th- look, let's be honest. It's been under scrutiny for a while. There's but no good. You, there's no good way of fixing it. But I, I do what, just. I sorry, sorry to interrupt. Sorry, um, go yeah. ahead. I do just not like 
the fact that both teams get to play. And on a selfish level, how good would it have been to see that game continue for whatever way you want to call it until someone can't score a touchdown or until 15 minutes is played or whatever way you want to do it. The more of that football match we saw, the better. But hey, look, it was it was even a great throw and a great catch to end the game. So you can't even complain on that side. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do have a, I do have a small amount of sympathy for yeah. not even having... Because what if they storm back and score another touchdown, especially given five lead changes in the last two minutes? It's not like it wasn't possible. So yeah. I think that, that little nugget there is the reason I think it can be changed. Uh, but then again, there's plenty of games that are so bad that you do just want to walk off, end the game, and we can all go home and forget about it. So maybe they have two. Maybe they have a special playoff overtime and then a regular season overtime where they don't really care what happens. And Well, possibly. Like, you have the regular season overtime where you have the 10 minutes. If after 10 minutes, it's just a draw. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what we've seen before. You know, but, like, I ask you this then. If we were... If the rules were changed and if Kansas City scored that touchdown and mm-hmm. then... Let's say, you know, let's say they make, let's say they don't make the extra point because you have to mm-hmm. have the extra point after touchdown. You can't just mm-hmm. go to kickoff. Then the Bills come back, and then the they score a touchdown, but then they make the extra point. Are you saying that the that ha, it comes down to just an extra point like that? Yeah, absolutely. I don't, because I don't... and you know what you know what I like that because football is a team game and that would require. All three phases of your football team to win the game. You got to go and you got to score the touchdown. Then you got to defend and stop. And then you got to kick the the field, the field goal, the extra point. I think that's a great way of doing it. I like that. I, and that's why I think it's harsh. I think if you just get unlucky, like for instance, it could be a shootout and you're just out racing the other team with your fantastic offense and your defense is just bad, but. It should be the total team. The better team in total should win. And to see that, I think you need at least to see both teams' offense and defense and stack them up under pressure and ask them, go and win the game. Both. Both phases okay. have to go and win the game. I think let that's me, a good way of doing it. Let me try this then at you. Mm-hmm. They scored a touchdown. They both scored the extra point. Yeah. Okay. What happens then if... And this is the thing. This is this is the risk that you're going to run by prolonging the game continuously. Is Patrick Mahomes then has the ball? Patrick Mahomes throws a 75 yard bomb to Tyreek Hill to win the game, right? Yep. But in that, he gets rolled up on, does his knee in, and he's out of Super Bowl. Sure, that's Boom. you can't like. I know freaking injuries happened the all same. the time, but like this is trying to limit that because obviously the NFL want their big guys in the in the in the showcase games that could happen on the last play that could have happened on that last drive to Kelsey anyway in regulation it could have but it didn't that's what I'm saying you've gotten you've gotten away with just that touchdown where no one's been injured put in your backup quarterback for overtime I don't think anyone's going to do that the reality (laughs) is you got to go and win the game you didn't win the game the game was a draw now you got to play extra to go and win it if you don't want to do overtime go win the game in regulation that's my opinion I don't look Football's a contact sport. The danger of injury is always there. Mm-hmm. I just want to pe- see people go win the game. And my preference would be for your whole team, your offense and your defense has to make a stand for you to win the game. I think that's the fairest way of doing it. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough. And then, and then call just... it, hey, then call it next point the winner. So if both score a touchdown, both kick an extra point, 
then go ahead and kick a field goal to win the game. That would still be all three phases. That's offense, true. defense, and special teams. So that's true. That's true. Uh, just one quick question then on the Bills. Um, yeah. It's going to be an interesting offseason for them with a lot of turnaround. Um, they looks like that they're going to lose Brian Dable. He looks like for all intents and purposes, he's going to become the next head coach of the New York Giants. Um, Leslie Frazier is interviewing, the, de- the defensive coordinator is interviewing for a lot of head coaching jobs. It remains to be seen if he will get one of them, but he is still in consideration for them. So there could be a lot of chopping and changing on that coaching staff there with the Bills. Is there a chance that could hamper their progression into continuing? Because also this team, and we heard in the build-up all throughout that this team was built to beat the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. They didn't beat the Chiefs. So what do you do? Do you continue building that way? Or do you say, right, we got to take a different approach? That's a really tough question. First of all, yeah, I think if there's a big turnover in coaching uh, in this in this franchise, yeah, I think that can have a massive a massive impact on the trajectory. I don't think you can just rely on the talent of the roster that's there. I think the coaches, in this particular case, are equally as important to the success of the Bills over the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, uh, what do you do? I don't know. I think I think you try and make your roster as strong as possible. And I I actually believe if you move away from that idea of let's just beat the Chiefs, sure you can consider the Chiefs. The, the the favorite in the conference but i think you're gonna play better if you're focused on let's play the best football that our roster allows us to play on both sides of the ball then let's be designed to beat one team in particular because that can unravel pretty quickly especially if other teams get a little bead on you where maybe it's just your talent or certain positions that you have that's going to let you beat the chiefs but if other teams know what that offense looks like, that can cause you a problem. And then you may not even get a chance to beat the Chiefs. You might not be in the playoffs at all. So, yeah, I'm always a fan of let's focus on yourself. Let's get your team as good as it can be. And look, you're going to have to stack yourself up against the best if you want to win the Super Bowl. And surely that usually tends to go through the Chiefs in recent years. So uh, we'll see. But yeah, that's that's how I see it. Do Do you see it differently? Do you think they should really stack it up specifically to beat that top team? in the conference? I don't know. I think like at a certain point, and obviously you have to prove this before you can really go and and do this where, you know, why don't you try and become the team that the Chiefs are trying to build to beat you? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. show that you have a different approach. Don't get these defensive players because they're fast and they will, you know, they can stop Mahomes running or something. You know, why don't you get certain offensive players that be like, oh no, these like Honey Badger won't be able to contend with this guy's speed. You know, uh, you, you know, this offensive lineman will not let uh, Chris Jones get by him. You know, it's sort of, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the, the, the following mentality has probably got to change and to start being like, oh, we're going to be the guys. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, you can't, I guess you can't really, you know, claim to be the one that everyone tries to be until you are the team that everyone tries to be. And until you are beating the Chiefs, you're not going to be that team. So you are going to have to find a way to beat the Chiefs. But I, can't, I don't like those sort of things where, 
all you're trying to do is beat the Chiefs. Yeah. You have to you have to make a team that's yeah. designed to beat everyone, including the Chiefs, not one that's designed specifically to beat the Chiefs. And I think basically we're we're echoing each other here and saying, look, it's it's never a good thing if, like you mentioned, you're chasing another team. You you need to stack your roster with so much talent. Look, if you have the top guy at every position, you're gonna be a headache to match up against. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Yeah. And so sure, maybe, maybe here or there you might add a bit of speed. But that should be because the NFL has slow DBs, not because the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs has slow DBs. Yeah. Like that, looking just very quickly, just thinking about there while we're talking about it, you know, the guy that they brought in to be the main guy, one of the main guys on the offense, Stefan Diggs, was, you know, covered out of the game on Sunday. I think two, mm-hmm. two receptions for seven yards he had. Right? Yeah. And one of them was catching, of course, a two-point conversion. They brought in... Manny Sanders to be that guy, the complimentary piece to help out. He's only, I think he only had one catch in the whole game. Now it was great that someone like Gabriel Davis came through four touchdowns. It's absolutely fantastic over 200 yards. You know, that's what they need. They need sort of those extra weapons. Exactly. Um, you know, they have one of the other, one of their main other weapons is, you know, um, Dawson Knox couldn't really get into the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you have to rely on your running game. The re- running game bar, Josh Allen was quite non-existent, and that is a that is a stick used to beat the Bills a lot these past two years that they haven't been able to establish a decent running game. Whereas maybe a couple of weeks before this game, it had started to look like it was something. It, it was totally non-existent in this one. So, you know, there there are things to work on, and um, and we'll we'll see. Of course, we can't we can't forget as well like their top corner, which probably would have been looking after. Tyreek Hill for most of the game, Shadavius White has been out from all this uh-huh. season through an injury, you know, so uh-huh. they haven't been fully healthy. Look, no team is going to be fully healthy at this point of the year. Uh-huh. I understand, but like and one of the main stars being out, that probably would have helped you beat the Chiefs. One of the guys that you obviously brought in to beat the Chiefs was not available, and he was an important piece, of course. He would have probably um, been able to, to cover Tyreek Hill a little better than he was covered on Sunday, but but before we uh, end things there, Fiona, is there anything else you want to um, speak about? Not really. I think it was very interesting how the Chiefs have got, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back, that very potent run game. He didn't carry the ball a whole lot, but he didn't need to. He was very efficient with his carries. Uh, yeah. And that can be something that if they can keep that hot streak going over the next couple of games... That's going to be a problem for every team they're going to face between here and raising a Super Bowl trophy if that's what ends up happening. Yeah. And interesting if they do make the Super Bowl and say, for example, is the Rams or even the 49ers that make it. Both those teams have very potent pass rush. Um, so if it is Mahomes that goes to the Super Bowl, he will want to make sure that offensive line is fit and healthy. They've invested mm-hmm. a lot of money in it this year and he won't want the repeat of last year's where he's running for his life for the entire game. He mm. was a little bit in this game on Sunday, so you'd want to see a big improvement for them, especially this week against some dangerous pass rushers on the Bengals. And if they do make a pass to Bengals in the in the Super Bowl against either the 49ers or the Rams. And that's where actually we're going to wrap up this edition of the Under Center podcast. We're going to be back again on Thursday. We have some absolutely fantastic guests lined up for that. Make sure you're sticking to our social channels so you'll find out who is going to be on the show. And make sure you're following us on Twitter, at UnderCenterPod. Instagram is the exact same. 
at undercenterpod. If you want to follow us on Facebook, you can facebook.com forward slash undercenterpod. Uh, make sure you go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to it there. That's where you get all the live shows as well. That is Under Center Podcast. So search on YouTube. You'll find us there. Make sure you subscribe. The same with the audio side of things. If you prefer to listen to the show on the go, all of our shows are upla- uploaded as an audio podcast. Just search Under Center Podcast wherever you get your podcast. You'll find the audio versions of every single one of our shows there and also we have uh, not have to we get to say uh, once again that this show has been brought to you by mcgowan's of bibsbury of course this huge championship weekend championship sunday make sure you get yourself down to mcgowan's where you will not have a bad seat in the place filled with screens it'll be on everywhere with fantastic drinks fantastic food fantastic stuff i keep saying it because that is they are great down there to deal with and so make sure you get down there for both if not just one of the games fion as always thank you so much thank you and like i said we'll be back thursday but until then stay safe and we'll see you soon